Well, are y'all ready for the word? Get your Bibles, go to Matthew 12. You got to see the overhead, a fish tail. Now, what kind of Easter sermon will this be? Quite fishy to me, right? I actually love preaching Easter sermons for two reasons. I love Easter. By the way, 32 years ago on Easter was mine and Lisa's first day here. Yay! So we've been here 32 years. We'll probably be here another 32. If Jesus comes back, then you can meet me up in heaven. If all of you that only come Easter and Christmas, I'll have you in my class up there. Which you're still going to learn the Word of God. Amen. So... But the other reason is, is I actually get to preach to a full uh, church full of people Amen. and Christmas. Amen. So thank you for coming. Amen. I want to let you know that in this church we grow Christians. Um, if you want to grow in God, Amen. come here. Amen. If you want to fulfill the destiny on you, come here. Okay? I mean, we don't, we don't do much. We, don't, we just do one thing and do it well. And that's make a believe. That's, that's turn you into Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter twelve. Because it's Easter, um, I enjoy preaching this. I'm going to sort of hit, hit on a sermon, part of a sermon I do every year at this time, because it's so apropos. But but I want to start off with this scripture when when the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him a question. Twelve thirty eight. Some of the Pharisees answered, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah's here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment on this generation, and she will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Now I want you to go back up to 38. The Pharisees and scribes have come to Jesus and said, we want a sign from you. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Hear Jesus has been preaching to crowds of 5,000 men, that's not women and children included, somewhere between 20 and 30,000 people up in Galilee for a half a year or more. People have been getting saved, um, delivered, not saved, not born again yet. They've been getting healed, blind eyes, lame people walking, dead people coming back from the dead. And now the Pharisees have approached him and said, we'd like a sign. Does that sound a little odd to you? All right, let's talk about this for a minute. Jesus did not heal so you could have a sign. He heals you so you could be well. Amen. See, he's interested in people. He's not interested in pulling a rabbit out of the hat for you. American church today has turned in to whoever can have the biggest gig. If we, could, if we could just have some gold dust floating around here, we'd have a good church. That's not true. Jesus is not interested in giving you a sign for sign's sake. He's interested in people. So when they came to him, they came to him completely with wrong motives. And he said, well, if you want a sign, I'll give you one. 
He said, I'm going to go to the cross and die, and I'll be dead three days. Be waiting at the tomb when I step out. If you want a sign, I got one for you. And so he mentions Jonah. Now, a lot of times people will read the book of Jonah and not ever really understand what it was all about other than Jonah not wanting to go see the Ninevites, so he got swallowed by a fish, got barked up on the beach, and went and got them them right with God. A little bit more to the story than that. So Jesus is going to use Jonah as a sign of what he's going to do. All right, let's, let's, um, and then it says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. I'd like to think it was a Jew fish. Thank y'all. So the son, <laughs> so the son, of, son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then it says, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Do y'all realize that one day everybody that's ever lived on the earth We'll come out of hell and out of the oceans and out of the grave, and we will all be at a meeting together. Quite a day, won't it be? That's called the great white throne judgment. And Jesus said, the people of Nineveh are going to rise up against you. That's going to be quite a day, isn't it? And we're going to get to hear what other people did. You think about what's going on in the world today. In America today, you have seen more miracles And you've seen more signs than even the Apostle Paul. Why are you still crying for signs? You are a sign. If you, now I'm going to throw one at you. Would you like to see a miracle? Go get someone saved. Are y'all out there? We've turned church into a zoo. Thrill me, thrill me, pull a rabbit out of a hat and heal me, heal me. I know I don't sing very good, that's why I don't do it. And if y'all noticed, that's kind of the way things are. So they came to Jesus and looked at him and said, we'd like to see a sign. He said, I'm going to give you one, I want you to study Jonah. So let's go to Jonah. Amen? It's about three or four books to your left. And you're going to find something very interesting in this fish story. It's quite fishy. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. You realize Jonah disobeyed God, didn't want to go to the Ninevites and preach, got on a boat. So the moral of the story is if you're disobeying God, don't get in a boat. (laughs) Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days and three nights. Let's stop there for a minute. How long do you think you would live in a fish's belly? Do you think that he was sitting down there with a flashlight taking an underground, underwater cruise of the ocean? No, he was not. You need to understand something about this story. Jesus, when Jonas, when the fish swallowed Jonah, Jonah drowned and Jonah died. Okay, he's dead in the fish. We're going to read this, and this is what Jesus is making reference to. And Jonah prayed to the Lord from the God, his God from the fish's belly and said, I cried out to the Lord because of mine affliction, and he answered me, and out of the belly of hell I cried. I want to tell you a little story here for just a second. When my sister Nancy died and left her body, she went into hell. And I asked her one day, she said, I was very much 
alive. Just because you left your body doesn't mean you're dead. Just means your body's dead. Doesn't mean you're dead. You see, every person who's ever been born is alive somewhere. When, now, doctors have said that when people die, they lose a few ounces of body weight. They've actually laid them on a scale, and when their spirit leaves their body, it drops a couple of ounces. So that means your spirit actually has weight. So what happens to your spirit when you die and you don't know Jesus? Gravity pulls you to the center of the earth. God's not sending people to hell. Don't die dead. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So he goes down into the region of the damned, and I'm going to show you this so you can see it, because it has to do with Jesus. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your billows and waves passed over me. And I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will again look toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even my soul, the deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head, and I went down to the mooring of the mountains. How many mountains are in fish? He's down where there's rocks, which means he's now left the fish and entered into the region of the damned. And then it says, and the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Now, he has gone, and, and now, but he's still crying out to God. Isn't that amazing? And God heard him. Yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple, those who regard worthless idols. What is a worthless idol? Anything you're trusting in in life. When you die, what matters? Your job? No. Your pickup truck, your house, your money, no. There's only one thing you had better get right with God. Because when, when, the, when you die without Jesus, gravity sucks you down and you die with him, angels grab you and take you up. And nothing matters in life. No idol on this planet. You're not going to be dying and going down to hell and going... Wished I'd have made a little more money. All you're going to be doing is going, I'm going the wrong way. I think I should have gone to church more than just Easter. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? Yeah, I did too. Christmas too, amen. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Now there's something very interesting I want you to see here before we move on. The Ninevites worshipped the fish. What do you think happened in Nineveh when a fish comes up and barfs a dude out of him? And he says, repent. You repent. <laughs> this shall be a sign unto you. 
And I imagine he stunk a little bit. But you know, anytime a fish, someone comes out of a fish and talks to you, pay attention. You might want to listen to what they have to say about that. So anyway, that's kind of the story of Jonah. So Jesus said, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah, actually referring to the fact that he was going to die on a cross and rise from the dead. I want you now to go with me to Luke 16, and we'll begin my sermon. You said, I thought you already were started. No, I, y'all weren't. I was, I'm just now getting started. Luke 16. So I'm going to tell you a story about my younger days when I was going to Bible school. How many of you have ever put together one of those puzzles that you stretch out all over your kitchen table and no one can eat on the table forever? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You have those. Okay, we have a few in here. I don't understand why people do that because, well, this lady does it. I don't want to. I'm going to come over here so she doesn't throw anything at me. You know, you get a piece and, you, and it looks it's blue so you know it's sky. Then you get green, you know it's grass. And it takes you months before you ever figure out what the picture is. Finally, you get a butterfly and you go, ah, I got something here. So the picture starts making sense, but not at first. When I got born again, when you go to Bible school or you come to church, every Sunday we give you a piece of puzzle. And I, and I say, how was Sunday? You go, oh, I think I got a piece of sky. But the puzzle doesn't make sense to you. And I was the same way when I got saved. I hear people preach. I went to church, and I'm telling you, the Bible made no sense to me. There's something in here sadly missing from my life, and I didn't know what it was. So one day I got the bright idea. I'm going to ask the Lord what it is, and he said, I want you to use your faith. So I just prayed Mark 11:20, whatever I desire when I pray, believe. I said, Father, I thank you I have revelation in Jesus' name. Well, from that point on, I didn't do anything about it. I believed I received. Well, when I, grew, when I left Ramah every day at, at, at about noon, I went home and went to work and worked from 1 to 5 o'clock, and then I went home. And every night, I had made a vow to God to study the Bible, do my homework. But Friday was a beautiful day. And so I said to the Lord, it's really nice outside. Will you let me off the hook until tomorrow? And I felt in my spirit, whether it was God or not, that go ahead and go barbecue with everybody outside and just get up in the morning and read my Bible tomorrow. I thought that God would think that's okay. He wouldn't be mad at me. So I went out and barbecued with everybody. And the next morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, the Lord wakes me up and says, come on, sunshine, let's go. But you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I don't always feel like reading my Bible then either. So I just kind of said, oh, come back later. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. I know none of you have ever done that. Wilson has, but I, I don't think anybody else in here ever has. Now, at 10 o'clock, he wakes me up again. And I'm standing at the foot of my bed, and I had to just confess my sin. I said, God, I really don't feel like it now either. I said, help me to want to. What happened next was one of the greatest times I've ever in my life had with God. My belly, which was thinner, don't, don't be, it's not because of my belly. Anyway, began to kind of rumble around like it was when I get sick, but it was no sick feeling. It was a, a fun, a neat, fun, it was happy, a happy rumble. And my belly, I, I could feel it. It rumbled and it rumbled and, and all of a sudden 
I could feel something coming up out of my mouth. And I opened my mouth, and out of my mouth, I could feel water coming out of me and hitting the back of my teeth. And my house filled with the glory of God. And I stepped over into the glory from 10 to about 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and God and I had an audible conversation about the Bible. And he, he answered the questions that I had had up until now. And this has to be one of the neatest things he's ever taught me. But from this day forward, I began to understand this book. So, so, so the water's coming out of my mouth, and I'm standing there kind of giddy, kind of <laughs> just getting a little drunk like Adam does sometimes, you know, and just starting to get real giddy. And I said to the Lord, I said, that feels like water. And he said to me, have you ever read out of your belly will flow rivers of living water? And I said, yes, sir. Go to Luke 16. And then he said to me, have you ever read what happened to the rich man when he was in hell? Now, he's taken me back to this story. Now, remember, him and I are standing in my house. I'd actually walked in the living room at this time. And I mean, the glory in the house is I mean, we're having a back and forth, audible conversation about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You ever heard Mark Hankins talk about revelation knowledge? That's what's happening right now. He is taking the Bible and opening it up for me so I will understand it. So he says, look at Luke 16. He says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was when the beggar died, he was carried by angels. Remember, angels take you up. And they, he took him to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man died and was buried. That means that his spirit man went down. And being in torment in hell, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. You ought to read the book 23 Minutes in Hell. It's quite the eye opener. You realize that when you die without Jesus, you go into the region of the damned, you never sleep again, you never drink again, you, it's, it stinks, it's hot, and you're there for eternity. Not a place you want to go. Amen? Amen? So here this man is down in hell, and Jesus is standing, I mean, I'm standing in the bedroom having an audible conversation with God, and so I said, it feels like water, and he asked me, he said, do you remember the story of the rich man? I said, yes. He said, why did he want water? Oh, he asked me, what did he want? I said, water. And then I said to God, I've heard that people in hell want ice water. And he asked me, if you were in hell, what would you want? Out. Out. So then he said this to me, and I never gave it thought until he said it to me. He said, when a man dies, where is his body? I said, well, it's in the grave. He said, what part of you wants H2O? And God used the word H2O, not water. 
I said, well, it's your body. He said, well, if his body's in the grave and his spirit's in hell, why does he want H2O? And I went, I don't know. That's when he said, well, if you were there, what would you want? I'd say, well, I want out. If you get, if Donald Trump writes you a check, don't go to McDonald's. You got one check, spend it wisely. Go buy a house someplace on the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. Amen? If you get one request down in hell, don't blow it on a cup of ice water. I mean, if you can get out, say out. So it's obvious that he wants out, but he's using the term water. So go to, go to John chapter 4. And the Lord told me that day, go over to John chapter 4. I'm going to teach you about eternal life. Eternal life does not mean you live forever. How long does a sinner live when he dies? Forever. So we can't be talking. So eternal life is not just length of time. The literal word eternal life is the Greek word zoe. Zoe is the stuff that God is made out of. In Jesus was Zoe, and Zoe was the light of man. In other words, when Jesus was born in the manger, he was the only man walking the earth, walking around with life in him. Everyone else had died because of Adam. God told Adam in the garden, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The, the Hebrew word surely is die. It, it says in the Hebrew, dying you will die. In other words, the day that you disobey me, dying spiritually, eventually your body will catch up and you'll die physically because of that. Man lived a thousand years until the flood. After the flood, the atmosphere changed and men went to 120 years because the whole atmosphere changed. And now we're here. Well, and you, you know, amen. And don't take a virus because it won't keep you long alive either. I mean the vaccine. I just had to put, get political on you just for a minute. I love doing that. Because every once in a while, y'all look so serious, I have to. Okay. So I'm standing in my house, and the Lord says to me, he said, what is eternal life? And I'd never really given it thought other than he had quoted John 3.16 to me. Do you remember in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but ever have less life. For God didn't send his Son to the world to damn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Be saved might be saved. Yeah. This is the damnation, that life came in the world, men love darkness. People don't go to hell for sinning. Now I'm going to jump way ahead of my sermon. If Jesus paid the debt, can God send you to hell for sinning? No. Some of y'all, that's the first time you've ever heard that in your life. Then why do people go to hell? Don't die dead. So Jesus is the water of life. He wanted one drop of, of Zoe on his tongue and he'd have come out of hell. All right, let's read it. John 4. I know y'all look at me like a dog at a new bowl. Let's go to, the, let's go to Samaria now. 4, 6. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, wearied from his journey, sat by the well, was the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said, Give me a drink. 
His disciples had gone away to the city to buy food, and the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it you being a Jew ask drink from a Samaritan woman? Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was said to you, you would have asked him, he'd have given you what? Three of you. What? Living water. He's not talking about hydrogen and oxygen. He's talking about something else. If you'd have asked me, I'd have given you living water. Now, let's see what it is. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well's deep. How are you going to get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob that gave us the well and drank from it with his sons and livestock? And Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. That's natural. Whoever drinks the water that I'll give him will never thirst. The water I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So what is the rich man in hell wanting? He's wanting one drop of the life of God because if he can get one drop of Zoe on his tongue, he's coming out of hell. So the Lord said to me, he said, what do you think happened the day that I died on that cross? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21, you got to go back over there and read this. Him who knew no sin became sin. Now, right now, all over the United States of America, people are, they're, they're, they're celebrating Jesus dying on the cross, and every sermon that they're preaching is Jesus, the nails in his hands and the spear in his side. How many of you know that's not why Jesus was worried about dying? He's not in the garden going, take this cup from me. I mean, honey, there's, there's nails in his hands. You better believe it. And there was a spear in his side. You better believe that. But it says in the book of Isaiah that God the Father laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That means he became the substitute for every man that ever lived. Now, why did God have to use Jesus? Because from Adam up until Jesus, not one man born had ever walked the earth sinless. But when, so God had to come down. This is Christmas. Come back and I'll give you the rest of the sermon. He had to come down and take on humanity and he had to leave deity behind and become a man. The reason he had to become a man because God can't die and God can't be tempted. So Jesus left his deity behind and became a man but the blood that's flowing through his veins is the blood of God. And that means Jesus lived the earth in perfect sinless life and he went before the Herod, he went before Pontius and all of them said we find no fault in him. While they're out there in the in the in the in the uh, backside of the, where the prairie, the prairie, that's not right. In Jerusalem, checking on the lambs to see if they're perfect. They've got Jesus in there in Herod's house checking to see if he's perfect. And, the, and, the, and they said, we find no fault in this man. So when he came in there and laid his own life down, they didn't take it from him. Then he went in there and submitted himself unto them. When he was hanging on the cross, what the Bible says is God poured his wrath on him. Now, folks, you, I, I don't even know if you could even imagine sin, condemnation, shame, guilt. I mean, if it was wicked, God poured it on Jesus and he absorbed all of it into his spirit. And he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he, and the whole earth turned dark. And he died of a broken heart. They were shocked he died that fast. 
And he gave up the ghost and he went down into the region of the damned. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that he went into hell. A lot of people don't have any idea. Jesus went to hell. He is a spiritually dead man. Second Adam. But now here's the good news. For the first time in 6,000 years, Satan has a man in hell illegally. And so God looks down from heaven and goes, I know why you have David. I know why you have Abraham. Somebody tell me why you have my son Jesus. And Satan's going through his books and going, And God said, turn him loose. Now we're going to read in a minute. The reason God raised Jesus from the dead was proof he paid your debt. Today, we celebrate your debts paid. So the Holy Ghost went down in the region of the damned and Jesus was born again. And the Bible says in Hebrews and the book of Galatians, he became the firstborn of the dead. Do you realize he's the first Christian? You say, well, I thought he was Christ. Yeah, he was. He was. But he died. See, this is the fulcrum of time. Everything old covenant. This is the new covenant. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He was not talking about your redemption was finished. The old covenant was finished. And then as a new covenant lamb, he went in the region of the damned, paid your debt, and then God raised him from the dead, and he was born again in the region of the damned. Because, Because hell is a place where God is not. It is the absence of God. And hell cannot hold a man full of God. So when the Holy Ghost went into Jesus' spirit, Jesus was made alive unto God. He was born again with the same Holy Ghost you got and came rolling, came flying out of the region of the dam, grabbed his body on the way by, jumped back into it and said, hey, I got some real good news for y'all. Had Satan known it, he'd have never crucified the Lord of glory. Now, let's go back over something I said earlier. If Jesus paid your debt, there's, I, I walked into the hospital with, um, uh, how, what's? Teresa's dad. Teresa's dad. There's a, this, this man is laying in there, I don't know, he's 70 something years old. Where's Teresa? Is she even here today? How old was he? 87? Late, late, 70s. late 70s. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's Teresa's dad, and Teresa called me and says, well, you'll see my dad. Anytime somebody wants a preacher to come, there's a, there's a certain amount of hope there. Yeah. So I walk in the hospital. This man has cancer, and he's dying, and he's not a Christian. And he knows he's going to hell. And, and, and I walked in, and he looks terrible. I mean, you talk... When, if you're in the hospital and you know you're fixing to go to hell, that's not a good day. And he's never met anybody help him. He didn't even, he didn't understand. So I come bouncing in. See, if you're, if you're full of God, you don't want to walk around and get in a pity party with him. I walked in, I said, hi, how? And he goes, hi. I said, I'm Teresa's pastor. He goes, I know. I said, what's the problem? He goes, I'm dying. I said, okay. I said, you know, Jesus is, I don't believe. 
I don't understand and I don't believe and I'm going to hell and there's nothing I can do about it. I said, well, in 30 minutes from now, you'll be saved. And he looked at me and went, you think? And I said, no, I know. He said, how do you know? I said, you called me. You see, I already know what his problem is. All he's ever heard is what Jesus did on the cross. He has no idea why he went to the cross. He doesn't know this. He said, I don't understand the Bible. I said, Hal, I don't either. He said, you don't? I said, no. Nobody ever said we had to understand it. Do do you all understand how your phone works? Don't lie. (laughs) Don't you tell me a lie. No, No way you can tell me how Lisa goes, get milk. It bounces off of something up there, comes to my phone, and says, get milk. And you, no. I don't understand it, but I use it. I said, how? I don't understand the Bible. I don't have to understand the Bible. All I have to do is believe it. I said, I want you to read some. I opened up to John 3, 16, and I read it to him. And I said, how you ain't going to hell for... See, he's, he's, all he's thinking about is how bad he is. Listen, listen to me. Do you notice in the Old Testament when, the, when they said, put the blood over the door? Did you ever notice the angel never asked who's in the building? Amen. I mean, you could have had a liar in the building and the angel would have gone. You could have had a murderer in the building and the angel would have gone over. When you see the blood, you pass over the blood. And how sitting there thinking about how bad I've been. How bad. I said, God, Jesus already took care of how bad you are, how. And I read to him. I said, how? Ain't nobody goes to hell for sinning. He goes, they don't. I mean, they don't. I said, no, they don't. And I read it to him. And he goes, and I said, let's read Romans 10. And I took him over there and he said, if you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead, you'll be saved. He went. I said, you believe he died? He went, yeah. I said, you believe he rose? He went, yeah. I said, pray with me. He closed his eyes, grabbed my hand, said, Jesus, come up. And all of a sudden, tears running out of his face. And he's sitting there in the bed, weeping and laughing and laughing. And he's born again. He's ready to go to heaven. He got a little drop of water on his tongue, and he came out of hell. See, Jesus is the water. You know, if you're not saved right now, go. Jesus died for me, rose from the dead, and he's Lord. Welcome to the family. You say, is it that easy? For you, yeah, not for him. I'm just having a good time this morning. I know I am. Thank you. By the way, I'd like to meet you afterwards. You're awfully pretty. All right. I've been flirting with this woman for a long time. Now, where was I before you interrupted me? <laughs> so Jesus is down in the region of the damned, and God raises him from the dead, and now he's alive unto God. And he looks at his disciples, and he said, Receive the Holy Ghost, and he breathed on them. And now... James is born again, and John is born again, and Peter is born again. And he said, go into all the world and preach good news. This day, 
God changed my life. Now, I'm going to say something right now. Easter is not about Jesus rising from the dead. It's the day you rose. I, I know that hair lips every church in Central Florida. But when you leave today and someone said, He has risen, say, You and me too. He, he didn't need to die. He died for you. He didn't need to rise. He rose from you. And the fact that he rose from the dead, God's accepted him and you. All right, now let me, let's, let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans. Is, am I, are y'all okay? I mean, I actually saw a Baptist shout. I almost got an old Methodist to shout a while ago, but he, he's, he's, he's working real hard on it. Go to Romans chapter 4. I won't pick on him the next time he comes. He'll bring his wife with him, and then I'll just leave him alone. Isn't this good? Amen. This day in my house, everything changed. Amen. This whole book became alive. And I realized right then, I have eternal life. Not when I die. All right, let me. Romans 4, 25, who delivered us up, who was delivered, Jesus, because of your offense and was raised because of your justification. When Jesus died, he became sin. But the moment that his sin, the sin was paid, God made him righteous. Now, I want you to think about you. Under the Old Testament, you cannot be married if your husband is alive. So your old husband was the law. And when law came, you died so Jesus could marry you because you were dead. And your husband was dead. It's not that you're righteous. He's righteous. And when he marries you, you become one person. When God sees you, he thinks you're Jesus. Now, i got to tell another story, because I can. There was a boxer. I mean, he was a warrior. And, they, and he was one of the best boxers in the world. And they, he, there was this championship going on. And, and so they took him in the ring and, and put him against his opponent. And whoever wins, wins a million dollars. And they, they go at it slugging and hitting and punching and, and fighting and first ring, bam, they come out and he's all bloody. He's a bloody mess. And in the second ring, he comes out, he's a bloody mess. Fourth round, he bloody mess. Finally gets down to the end and he knocks the dude out. And they're standing there going, they're playing the Rocky music. And he's got his hands in the air and they're talking about he's the conqueror. And his wife comes up on the stage. And they hand him a million dollars, and he hands it to her. Yeah. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. Yeah. She didn't even have to get bloody to get it. Jesus rose from the dead and went, here. Come on. And we're like, I'll take that. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been made righteous by faith, we now have peace with God yes. through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is your day. Today's your day. All right, I got another one. Anyway, I think. No, I don't. When Paul said, I was crucified with Christ, well, he wasn't even there. You understand, Jesus was the second Adam. When Adam died, all mankind died. So actually, a sinner can't help being a sinner. It's not his fault. Now, you've gone through life. Some of you may have walked in here today, and you've gone through life, and people have talked about how bad you are. There is nothing you can do about it. Your daddy's the devil. If you think I'm joking, turn on CNN. I mean, if he's not ugly right now, you, you just don't know him very well. And stupid. Never mind, I know y'all didn't. If they got saved, you know what's going to do? You know what's going to fix America? A revival. Until these guys start getting born again, we're in trouble. And they need to get saved. You're fine. You got, you're covered in the blood. All right. When Paul said, I was crucified with him, as far as Paul was concerned, when Adam sinned, you died. But when Jesus rose from the dead, you, ro- you died and you rose with him. So you have eternal life. You're not going to get it. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. I mean, how many people have I read stories about them that they were just, you know, sitting in their bed and they got up and walked in the kitchen and then their, their, their spouse came back in there and started crying all over the bedroom and they're like, honey, hello, good morning. And then all of a sudden there's just lump in the bed and it's you. And you go, I didn't know I was that fat. <laughs> and you're talking to your spouse and she doesn't hear you. You're dead. Your body is, but you're not. And you see this real bright glowing dude over there in the corner going, let's go. And he takes you to heaven. Why? Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no damnation that are in to those in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 13, Christ redeemed you from the curse the law put on you. He became a curse for you. Let me tell you one more story before we get out of here. Remember in the Old Testament, the story of um, Joshua? Joshua has, what, three kings coming against him. Or there was actually more, I think. He didn't have enough time in the day to, to, to do the war. And, and we read the story, and we have no idea why he did what he did. But he told the son, stand still. And a lot of people say, that's cute. It wasn't try- he wasn't trying to be cute. Under law, anytime you, you, you go to war, you've got to take the king and lift him off the ground to pull the curse off the land. He hadn't had time to go back and get the kings and get them hung in a tree. And it says under law, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Joshua didn't have enough time. So he had to tell the son, you've got to stop. 
I've got to get these kings on a tree before we can, well, I, got, I got to have time to finish this war. And the Bible says God heard him and stopped the whole earth for another whole day. It stayed daylight for two whole days. Then he brought his army back, pulled those kings out of the cave and nailed them to a tree. And right before the sun went down, took them down. When Jesus was lifted up, substitute man, he took all of your curse in him. And they lifted him off the ground and took all the curse of sickness, poverty, and death off of the land and off of you. So it says, Abraham's blessings are mine. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new species. He's a new race of humanity. You, have you seen Jesus lately? Look in the mirror. Today, we're celebrating Jesus rising from the dead. Yes. But if that's all that happened, whoopee-doo. What you needed was to rise from the dead. What we need is for you to come alive. And at least in a minute, it's going to get up and give an altar call. If you're in here today and you have never prayed, get up here. Don't wait till we sing three stanzas of Just As I Am so you can decide whether you want to go to hell or not. That's kind of stupid. Amen. So how got born again? You, you, that, that's, you talk about one happy man. So I got to finish the story. Because I can. And I have time. And the Baptists aren't at the restaurant yet. Or the Methodists. They're out 12 o'clock straight up, aren't they? Yeah, we, we kind of float between 12.01, 12.20. We never know when we leave this place. This preacher in here, he's kind of wild. So I go back down to the hospital a week later. And Hal's not there. And I said, where's Hal? And I called Teresa, and they said, well, he's home. So I go in the house. He's in a bed in the living room. And, and I said, Hal, I came to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, no, nah, I've never lived right. I said, it didn't stop you from getting saved. That's true. He went, okay. Laid hands on him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost, laying in there talking in tongues. Just imagine, last week he was a heathen. Yeah. <laughs> This week he's laying in there praying in the Holy Ghost. But I got to tell you the next thing he said to me, and, and Teresa will, under, will, will love this. He looked at me and said, I've had the greatest miracle happen ever. I thought he was going to talk about the new birth. He said, all of my family has forgiven me and accepted me. Buddy, that's a big deal. So anyway, they took him to Ohio. A week later, they took him to Ohio. So I go by the house, and he's not there now either. It's just, just kind of hard to keep a good man down, you know. <laughs> and I get a phone call from Ohio, and it's Hal. And he goes, Pastor Darrell? I said, hi, Hal. And he goes, I want to go home. I said, I thought you were home. He goes, no, I ain't talking about here. He said, I, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go be with Jesus. I said, he said, I told him to call you, that I want you to pray with me so Jesus come get me tonight. I said, you want to leave tonight? He goes, yeah. He said, eh. he said, I said, you don't want to get healed? He goes, no, I don't want to get healed. I don't want to go be with Jesus. 
I said, well, we can pray. And so me and Hal prayed. He said, thank you. Bye. Hung up the phone. Trish calls me the next morning and says, Dad went home. I said, I know. A couple hours later, Jesus sent an angel down there and goes, let's go. Folks, this is beautiful. I, I, I can't imagine what it was like for that man to step into glory and go. Two, three weeks ago, I would not have been here. The message I gave you is as powerful as the event. Lenny, he's kind of a pastor evangelist. We're not quite sure what he is. He doesn't really care. How many guys do you have you dug right out of the streets? A bunch. Nothing on this planet trumps sitting with a complete lost human being and show them Jesus and watch them get born again. Nothing trumps that. Now I'm going to tell you something. Right now you're sitting in this church. If you know Jesus, you've been made the very righteousness of God. I want you to celebrate what Jesus did. But I want you to spend the rest of the day celebrating who you are. Today is when you celebrate the day you rose from the dead. Say, I rose from the dead. And I will never die. You got this, honey? Thank you all for coming. The ones of you that are CEO Christians, Christmas, uh, Christmas and Easter only, we'd like to have you back a couple extra times. Amen. You too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Colossians 1.20 says, He made peace with you already through the blood of His cross. He's already made peace with you through the blood of His cross. Amen. And then it says that he's qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's qualified every one of you who's delivered us already from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, by whom we have redemption through his what? His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, Colleen, I'm not going to wait for you, but if you'll put John 3:16 up just so they can see. I want you to put your name in this verse. I'm sure you've heard this a trillion times. For God so loved the world. Sometimes we say it too fast. But if you don't mind me using your name, because I know your name. For God so loved Brian that he gave his only begotten son, that if Brian would believe in him, he will not perish. But Brian will have everlasting life. Put your name in that. Amy, Justin, Lenny, for God so loved Justin and Tracy. Put your name in it. If you've never put your name in that, I want you to come up this morning. Well, why do I have to come up? Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. He loves you so much. You might be here in this place today and go, I, I said a prayer a long time ago. I'm not, I'm not living right. I haven't been with Jesus following the right path. He's ready to call you back home. Amen. Just repent of your sin. The father loves his family. I love all my children. Sometimes they disappoint me. 
but I love them dearly. And sometimes they make me happy, but I love them. And he loves you all of the time, but he gives you a choice. So this morning, I want you to come up. It's very easy, but you need to come up and you need to show the devil. You mean business and you need to show God. I, I'm not afraid and I don't cower to stand in front of these people. I want to get my life right. I don't want to miss the boat. I don't want to die today and go to hell or die in 10 years and keep putting it off. Because once it's done, it's done and there's no way back out. And I can't say to you this morning, if you've never made Jesus Lord, and it's just about saying, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood for me. I believe you rose again for me. And now I'm justified and I accept what you did and receive what you did for me. Remember what Pastor Morgan said, nobody goes to hell for sinning, but there will be no sinners in heaven because God is light and there's no darkness in him. But the reason a person goes to hell is because they say, no, I don't want it. That's the only reason he took your sin. He just wants you to accept it and then let him clean his own fish. Amen. So if my altar workers can come forward, they're here waiting for you to respond. If you're here with a family member or a friend and you're not sure, you look at them. You don't be afraid. You look at them and you say, hey, would you like to go up with me? I'll go with you. If you're not sure, grab their hand and say, I'll go with you. You don't have to go alone. Nobody should have to come alone up here if they're new, if they're a guest. So if you, if you know someone's here and you're not sure, man, grab their hand and say, well, let's just go get prayer because we're ready to pray for you for anything. The Father said, if two agree on earth, here's one, two, and here's you. He said he'll do it for you. Whatever you ask for, he'll do it for you. So you come up. I, I know you might have a roast and turkey and a ham and whatever in the oven, but you shouldn't have done that. Because I care more about your soul and your heart than I do your Easter eggs and your spiral glazed ham. That ham, we always can have it whenever. But I, I want you to make heaven. And I want you to have heaven on earth. And I want you to have the life of God in you. So... If you're here today and you want prayer, we've got time for you. We're not rushing off to our Easter egg hunt. We're going to pray with you because we love you. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great, great Easter Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too, that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.